0: Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, man? How you
1: doing? Well, I'm feeling good back from a little mini vacation up to Lake Geneva for a little family event. Had some nice times up there. I got sunburned to high hell, and my skin is peeling off at a fantastically alarming rate. But I am back back in the grind, and I am ready to talk some Jets with my man, Justin Freed.
0: Absolutely. And it's a good day. You know why? Not only because Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback, as we said last week, and as we've said multiple times, but because in 24 hours, Mike, the Jets are playing a football game. The New York Jets are playing a football game in roughly 24 hours from now. So that's really exciting. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. We're going to talk about what the hell's going on with Dalvin Cook. He left the Jets without a deal. Are the Jets still the favorites? What's going on? Do we even want him on the Jets? We're talking about that. We're talking about Quan Alexander, who signed with the Steelers. What are the Jets going to do at linebacker? Uh, we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame game, like I mentioned, and also give a little update on the training camp battles to watch, either in the Hall of Fame game as well, just for the remainder of the summer. But before we get into that, Mike, you got a promo to hit us with.
1: Yes, sir. Jets fans, have you signed up for DraftKings yet? Because if you're a new user, you can receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps. Just make an account, make a deposit, and then wager $5 or more in any sport. Doesn't matter if your first wager wins or loses, you'll still get the 150 in bonus bets. All you got to do is use the code FSBETS, F-S-B-E-T-S, when you sign up. When you use the code, not only do you get that bonus, but you're supporting the podcast, so if you want to do it that way, it means the world to us. Just make sure, though, that when you're signing up for DraftKings, use the code F-S-B-E-T-S to maximize your first bets. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be. You get your podcasts. We are there. We are on YouTube at the Jet Press. We are on TikTok, also at the Jet Press. we got a lot of good reception over on those two sites, both vertical and for the the long-form replay back of the podcast. If you want to see these two ugly mugs in full HD on your phone, you can go and check that out. So let's just dive right in because we almost got football because we got one day left, and then we got an actual football game. It doesn't count. Preseason, it's guys playing football. We'll take it at this stage. Now, one player who could be on the roster when opening day finally comes around, that Monday nighter against the Buffalo Bills, we still don't know if it's going to be official but there's been a lot of noise with Dalvin cook and the New York jets lately, mostly coming from Dalvin cook. I mean, if you just hear Dalvin cook talk, you'd think he'd already signed with the jets. I mean, he goes on good morning football and they ask him, are you going to sign with the jets? And he says, probably, which is a pretty strong indication. He visits in Florham park. Seems like by all means it it went well. I mean, I didn't hear anything particularly, you know, anything that really turned him off or that he's turning down the jets. And actually earlier, uh, earlier today, Aaron Rodgers says he basically would like to rather play with Dalvin Cook than against him, and he responds with a little green heart tweet, so I'm not really sure what that means. I mean, it certainly seems like it's something positive. Uh, We've been on the Cook train for a little bit. Uh, Me and Justin, for regular viewers, will know that we have kind of differing opinions on Dalvin Cook, even though we discussed him a little bit. Uh, Justin is firmly in the do-not-sign-Dalvin Cook camp. He thinks that he's regressed. which I don't know if I'd say firmly, I'd say I'm more indifferent about it. I'm, I'm indifferent if they sign him or not, but just to clarify, anyway, go on. So all right. So are, he is less, you'd be less thrilled than I.
0: Yes. I would Signs
1: been. Dalvin cook because he thinks that he's kind of lost a step, which is what the Minnesota Vikings seem to think. And what most of the league seems to think is no one signed him yet. I'm more in the go get Dalvin cook camp, because even though the running backs are performing pretty well in camp and we do have Brees hall, who's excellent in that very brief stint. You're putting a lot of trust in, I think, a guy in Brees Hall who, again, we love what he did. He's played five games, and he's coming off major knee injuries. And this is a coach in Nathaniel Hackett that runs the ball a lot. I know he's got Aaron Rodgers, but he made his name as a running backs coach and a coach that built good offensive schemes around running the football, oftentimes with a little two-headed monster tandem. We saw that in Green Bay with uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. So... The biggest obstacle that I would have, and the only reason I probably would turn against Dalvin, Cook, outside of the you know the, the legal things, those who don't know Dalvin Cook is embroiled in some really nasty legal things. I, I don't want to get too in the weeds on that. That's a pending legal matter. There's you know everybody gets their day in court. I don't want to convict a guy of that, but it looks horrible if he did what he's <laughs> accused of doing. So leave that to the side just for a minute because that opens up a whole new can of worms. Purely football wise, let's look at it. He still is coming off a year where he had 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns and close to 300 yards receiving. So that's 1,468 yards from scrimmage, 10 touchdowns, third year and four four years that he's had uh, at least 10 touchdowns, made a Pro Bowl each of those years. And I know that rushing yards over expected says that Dalvin Cook is right near the bottom of the league. But as a stat, I'm not saying it's a completely worthless stat, but it's also a stat that has Derrick Henry as kind of a middle of the pack running back. So it's a helpful bit of information. I don't know if it's a one-size-fits-all declarative statement you can make of how good a particular running back is. So if we get a Dalvin Cook that's playing anywhere near like what we saw in Minnesota, who even if he's not going to be like a 2,000-yard from scrimmage guy, is certainly a well-above-average running back and a guy that Nathaniel Hackett can kind of use as a receiver more so. Like he's not going to be able to get 20 carries a game. Maybe he gets 10 or 12, catches three or four balls. That's a pretty good role for him. Is the money going to match up? I don't know. But purely, I think there's a very defined role that Dalvin Cook could have, and Nathaniel Hackett would be very willing to accommodate. That's why I think the Cook signing, from a football perspective, makes sense.
0: Look, we've talked about it a lot on the show at this point. As a Jets fan, it's almost ad nauseum at this point, right? I, again, I'm not anti-Dalvin Cook. I'm not against the Jets signing Dalvin Cook, and I totally understand why they want to do it. They're trying to win a Super Bowl this year. They're trying to compete for a Super Bowl, and they love Breesall. They they think the world of him, obviously. He was he was fantastic as a rookie, but they also realize that he is coming back from an ACL injury, and even if he does expect to be ready by week one, they don't want to give him a full workload. They want to ease him into action, and that makes total sense. They don't want to throw him out there and potentially re-risk injury. They don't want to you know just, just throw him out there. If he's not fully ready to handle that workload, maybe he wouldn't be fully effective. I get why the Jets want to go out there and potentially sign a a veteran running back to, to, you know, just give them more depth because right now they have Michael Carter, Zonovan Knight and Izzy Ivana And Carter was promising as a rookie, but really definitely fell off last season. He did not have a very good second season in the NFL. Zonovan Knight had flashes before kind of tapering off. And, you know, you could blame a lot of that on the offensive line, but it is true that the Jets running game completely tanked after Brees Hall's injury. That's, that's a fact as well as Elijah Otaka's injury, but it's still a fact. Uh, And Izzy Abanacanda is a complete unknown. I would love for him to have to step up and play an important role this year, but he's a rookie fifth-round pick. We have no idea what to expect from him. So it makes sense that the Jets want to go out there and sign a second running back. My thing with Dalvin Cook is, as long as the money's right, I'm fine with it. I just don't think it moves the needle very much. I don't think he is a significant upgrade over what the Jets currently have. I think he's an upgrade. I think is definitely, if the Jets were to sign Dalvin Cook, he would be the second best running back on this roster. I don't think that that really should be debated, but I don't think it'd be a massive upgrade by any means because I do think that Dalvin Cook has lost a significant step. The box score numbers might show that he had a good season last year, but I, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I believe it was from Michael Nania of Jets X Factor I saw before that if you take out Cook's two longest runs last season, he averaged like 3.7 yards per carry, um, which ranked in the bottom half of like if you were to, take I think it was if you were to take out every running backs like runs over 20 yards uh Cook would rank in the
1: bottom half of running backs and that's was well, not part of the home run hitting ability isn't that part of why Dalvin Cook is valuable is. I was about to say
0: that is part of what Dalvin Cook's appeal is he's always been a home run hitter he's not necessarily um you know a, a Raheem Mostert back there he's a physical runner too but he's he's got that home run ability and I think he still does have that to an extent that said He struggled with drops as well. He struggled in pass protection. And I just don't think as a runner, he's a significant upgrade over what the Jets currently have, because I do also believe, like I mentioned before, that a lot of the Jets' rushing struggles towards the end of last season were a result of the offensive line that was, quite frankly, more injured than almost any other offensive line in NFL history, at least since injury numbers have been tracked by football outsiders. The Jets' offensive line was decimated by injuries last season. So I think that played not as much of a role, but a large part of the role uh, of why the Jets running game struggled post Brees Hall's injury because that Jets offensive line was just so beat up. And on top of it, like you mentioned, the off-field stuff, it skews me out a little bit. I think as on a personal level kind of makes me a little hesitant. I don't think the Jets seemingly care. It is, I will throw this out. It is a little weird that the Jets seem to be very anti-DeAndre Hopkins for supposed character concerns, but they have no issues with Dalvin Cook. I mean,
1: yeah, what Dalvin Cook I is think. accused of doing is, yeah. is worse than anything DeAndre Hopkins is. Right, and that's of course,
0: that's not me saying that, you know, I'm not making a comment about what actually happened, but I'm just saying that it is a little weird to me that they have concerns about DeAndre Hopkins' character concerns and not Dalvin Cook's, not to mention the caliber of player both of them are at this stage of their career is right. vastly different. I digress. Uh, I would be fine if the Dalvin, if the Jets signed Dalvin Cook, and I think it'd be a smart move. I get why they do it. I just don't think it's a big deal. I really don't. I think it doesn't move the needle much. If they sign him, cool. If they don't sign him, cool. I don't think it's going to make or break the season. I don't think it's going to make or break any team season that signs him at this stage. So I honestly just think it's received too much airtime, which I know we are now contributing to. Uh, But I I really just don't think it's a huge deal, honestly.
1: I think the legal things are probably going to end up being the tiebreaker because right now, just seemingly, you have a motivated team who wants to win. You have a team that can – give him a role that i think he would like and financially they can offer him a multi-year deal they're not going to make him the new highest paid back in the league but if it's a money thing i mean they have what they need to compensate him well so i don't think either of those things are going to be the issue it's just when i i don't even want to necessarily read the details of what he's accused of. i mean it's pretty extremely graphic so i don't want to get into that but i mean it is it is pretty rank and pretty Mm -hmm. horrible and if he's convicted of this i mean there's no way that i if were any team I'd ever bring Dalvin Cook back onto my team if he's convicted of this? I mean, it's a career-ending level thing he's accused of. Right, even know? from a
0: from a football perspective, of that like even ignoring morals, like he could be suspended. Like that's that is a possibility. I, I don't think. I mean, yeah, that's priority number. You, you know, no, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying from a football perspective. Here, I'm uh, not, oh, not, oh yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not morally, you know, but like yeah. from from a football because that's what teams are going to care about. They're honestly going to care more about the football perspective of it than the morals because that's how sports work. That's how life works, but it's, it, it's you know,
1: sad that it's like that, but that's kind of how it yeah, is. So, and you know, I don't yeah. think
0: I, it doesn't sound like it's going to get resolved quickly enough for the league to suspend them this year, but it'd probably be a next year thing. Ultimately, I think the jets have their price with Dalvin cook and they're not going to go above it. And it all is going to de- depend on what the dolphins are offering. What, the Patriots are offering whoever else is in on Cook, what they're offering and whether Cook wants to win and go to New York or whether he wants to try and win and go to Miami. Like, you know, where he's he's from. He's from Florida. He's from that area. went to Florida State. So it's really just going to depend on on what Cook wants, because I think the Jets have their price point. And from the reports we've seen, Cook is in no hurry to sign. I don't think the Jets are in any particular hurry to bring him in either. Uh, I think especially what we're going to see on Thursday and over the next few weeks is going to be really important because if the Jets trust the likes of Michael Carter, Bam Knight, Izzy Vanakanda, then they're going to be less likely to try and up that offer for Dalvin Cook because if they already trust their own running backs, they're not going to be as aggressive to sign Cook. So it's Cook is just looking for, I think, his best opportunity to not only get paid but to find playing time and the Jets are seeing how badly they really want him.
1: Well, the problem then too is you look at the other teams who's interested in him. It. It's literally Buffalo, Miami, New England. Yeah. So if you don't get him, he's pretty much going to go to an AFC East team. And I'm <laughs> cool with that. <laughs> well, that's all. I mean, there's going to be egg on your face. I mean, if Michael Carter plays like he did last year and Abana Kanda looks like a rookie and Bam Knight looks like a second year undrafted guy, which is entirely possible sure. on an offensive line that, I mean, they made some adjustments to it, but functionally, it's not too different from what they went into last year with. I mean, that's going to be that's going to be a mighty big risk and if you come out looking you know, you come out on the worst end of that that's going to be people are going to start getting angry at joe douglas i think yeah not overall but for for that so
0: I, it, it depends on how cook plays obviously wherever he goes but i don't think where it, it, no matter where he goes he's not going to be rb1 if he went to miami he's still not rb1 i know people are saying that like jeff wilson's jeff wilson's not bad and raheem Mostert's pretty good like i think cook will get plenty of playing time there and i think of all the places he'd get the most playing time is probably Miami, assuming Brees Hall is healthy. But I don't think he's RB1 there. He's definitely not RB1 on the Patriots. And despite what Madden might say, he's not better than Armandre Stevenson by any stretch of the stage. Uh, and he's <laughs> obviously not RB1 with the Jets. He's not going to be taking snaps away from Brees Hall when Brees Hall is fully healthy. So, you know, it's just going to depend on how he plays. I'm cool if the Jets want to go out there and sign it. I would honestly be okay with like a Leonard Fournette too. Not as like solidified RB2, but just bring him in, have him compete for, for you know, just compete for snaps in the Jets' backfield. Maybe that does mean you move on from Michael Carter. That's fine. I think Fournette's a pretty capable pass catching back. He's good in pass protection. He's a reliable veteran. Probably going to be cheaper than Dalvin Cook too. So I, I wouldn't mind if they went out and did that. I'm cool with the Jets looking for running back depth. I just don't think it really is going to make much of a difference. Mm-hmm.
1: And if he's convicted of what he's convicted of, get the hell out of here. I don't want to see ever again, Dalvin sure. Cook. Yeah. Go, go pound sand. I don't want to hear the name ever again. So let's move on to somebody who is, I think, a less controversial just personally, but also uh, is no longer a New York Jet, and that's Quan Alexander, who just signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they were, them and the Jets were really fighting it out for Alexander. I mean, Alexander took a visit quite a long time ago. Didn't leave there with a deal like that with Dalvin Cook, but Guess he came back around. Said I'm going to go play with Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores, who's now the linebackers coach over there. Wait, no, no, sorry, he was. He went to Minnesota. Excuse yeah, that. Yeah. He, he went to go play with Mike Tomlin. We'll Daisy. And that was enough of an appeal to him to to sign with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that leaves a big hole in the Jets' linebacker, at least their depth. Not overall, or at least not their starters. Starters are pretty much impregnable. It's CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams now. We have our issues, I think, with C.J. Mosley and Quincy Williams. We think Mosley is an above-average linebacker, but we think maybe getting called an all-pro at this point in his career is maybe a little bit too rich. And we don't know how much the Jets buy that to where they can go, oh, we could subtract from our linebacker room and C.J. Mosley, an all-pro linebacker, will make up for it. I don't know how much truth there is to that. I think there might be some. But outside Mosley, who we know can be a really good player and almost a game-changer, I think at this level, he's proven that with the Jets and with Baltimore. There's not a ton to go really crazy about I think Quincy Williams kind of got a little bit paid over market value. I think he kind of got, Hey, come play with your brother and we'll pay you this much. I think that definitely contributed to that. I like Jamie and Sherwood. And I think the jets, especially like Jamie and Sherwood who looks really good in camp. He's flying around. He's more of a traditional linebacker size now. Cause he put a lot of weight. For those that don't know Sherwood was a safety in college. The Jets drafted him to convert him to linebacker. And well, he held his own. I mean, it was very obvious that he was a converted defensive back. This year, he's looking a little bit different. So I know the Jets are high on Jamie and Sherwood. I think he's an okay player. But, you know, if one of those guys has a little bit of a wrong landing and they're out for a while and you got to put Sherwood in a starter role, I mean, are you confident? I'm not necessarily at that stage yet
0: yeah I think you you nailed it right there. I don't hate the jets current starting linebackers. I don't think it's the worst starting linebacker core in the group or in the in the in the league and I don't think it's nearly you know i don't think it's bottom five maybe not even bottom ten. But the fact is, if one injury happens, you're in a rough spot. The Jets were interested in Quan Alexander. They did like, obviously, what what Quan Alexander brought last season. The Jets signed him very late in the year, uh, partially because of all the injuries he has had in his career. And he went on to play all 17 games, and he played a very important role in the Jets' defense. He played 49% of the team's defensive snaps. So even though you have your two starters in the nickel, and it's C.J. Mosley and, and Quincy Williams, Quan Alexander, your third linebacker, played basically half of your snaps last year. So that is an important role that you now have to fill. Jamie and Sherwood is the obvious candidate to do that, and I do believe that he will be the Week One starter at that third linebacker spot. I really like Jamie and Sherwood. I I liked what he showed as a rookie. Obviously, like you said, there were some growing pains, but from everything I've seen, it's been limited action. But I really have been impressed with with what he's done, uh, and I think the Jets are also very high on him. I have no issue with the Jets wanting to give Jamie and Sherwood that starting role, or at least give him an opportunity to win it, because I think he might turn out to be something pretty good. That said. I'm very concerned about the depth uh, in this Jets linebacker core. I think that's been one of the the positions they've overlooked the most this off season. Zaire Barnes is probably their top backup linebacker right now. And that he's a sixth round rookie. Not uh, Hamza? I don't even think it's Hamza. Barnes has actually looked pretty good in camp so far. Hamza, Remember Hamza was on the practice squad last year. Hamza didn't even make the team. Uh, and so you got Hamza Dean. you got Zaire Barnes, you got Chaz Surratt. That Those are your linebacker, your backup linebackers right now. I imagine they're probably going to carry five. Which means either Surratt or Nasraldean is probably gonna get that last spot, unless one they have a few undrafted guys in camp right now, unless one of them could earn the job. Um, but it's it's not good. Like if you you are basically one CJ Mosley injury away from trotting out a linebacker core of Quincy Williams, Jamie and Sherwood, and likely Zaire Barnes. Like that's that's what we're talking about. And that's really bad for a team that's trying to compete this year. You would think you'd want to bring in some more depth. Now, there are still guys out there. And I know the Jets were interested in Quan Alexander, but from my understanding, it didn't seem like they wanted to pay him anything more than the veteran minimum, which that sucks because he deserved more than that. I believe he was the second best linebacker on the Jets roster last season over Quincy Williams. He had a pretty good year. Uh, I would have loved to see him brought back. I know the players really wanted him. From all we've seen, Quan Alexander this offseason wanted to return. He posted all these workout videos of him wearing Jets stuff, of him, you know, basically just dropping a ton of hints on social media uh, saying that, that he want, basically wants to play for the Jets. And unfortunately, it just didn't happen. There are guys still out there. Miles Jack, I think, makes the most sense if they were to add a veteran. He has experience playing with Robert Sala and the other guys on the staff that that play, that play coached in Jacksonville, like Ron Middleton. Um, so he makes a ton of sense. I think he fits exactly the prototype that a Sala linebacker, you know, that you'd want in a Sala linebacker. Obviously, this isn't the Miles Jack of five years ago. He's not nearly the same player as he was at his peak in Jacksonville. That's the reason he's a free agent in early August. Uh, but I still think he would make sense as a veteran addition. And that also doesn't mean that Jamie and Sherwood doesn't have to start. Like, I know so many people are, are going along to, oh, you know, you got you to gotta play the young guys. You know, you, you can't keep signing all the veterans and, and keeping the young guys off the field. That's fine. You don't need to. Give me some depth. Give me some actual insurance behind your starters. And I think someone like Miles Jack makes sense. Rashawn Evans is still available, former Tennessee Titans first-round pick. Zach Cunningham, former Houston Texan, is still out there. There's a few names. I would have liked Deion Jones as well, and he also made a ton of sense because he had plenty of history with, with Jeff Olbrick, uh, but he just signed with somebody. Carolina, I think. Carolina, yes, yeah, so it the Panthers. He's going back to the NFC South. Um, so I, he's off the market as well as Quan Alexander, but... I would love to see the Jets go out there and sign another vet- or a veteran linebacker because their depth isn't there right now. I just don't think they're super eager to do it. I think at, you know, at this stage, most likely the most likely outcome for me is I think they'll, they'll start like looking around the, uh, around roster cuts and seeing who gets cut and maybe they can snatch someone up there, claim someone off waivers. You know, Joe Douglas loves to do that. And he has a, he has a long history of success with waiver cuts. So, you know, maybe they, maybe they do something right now like that. But right now as it stands, I am concerned about the Jets' linebacker depth and not bringing back Quan definitely hurts.
1: God, I thought Rashawn Evans was going to be so good coming out of Alabama. (laughs) I I think he got banged up too, but man, he'd be a nice addition. Uh, He started in chat with a nice comment too, though, about about the whole Quan situation where he said, in fairness to the Jets, uh, Quan would have made a pretty old linebacker room, which, I mean, Quan tomorrow, happy birthday, Quan Alexander, is going to turn 29 years old on August 3rd. So he's going to, he would have been 29. Uh, Quincy Williams would have turned 27. CJ Mosley is 31.
0: But the other thing is also, Quan doesn't have to start. I saw when the Steelers signed Quan, they didn't guarantee him a starting job. They didn't give him any promises. He didn't need to start. Bring Quan back, have him compete with Jamie and Sherwood. If you really want to start Sherwood, start Sherwood. Let Quan be the backup. I'm okay with that. And I think by all accounts, he was fine with that too, because he signed with Pittsburgh without the guarantee of a starting job. So I just, I really just want depth. I'm all for Jamie and Sherwood starting. I really do like Jamie and Sherwood, and I think he could be pretty good. Also, I think he could be potentially, if all goes according to plan, this is kind of how the Jets have seen him, as the heir apparent to CJ Mosley. I think they've they've kind of seen him as a guy who could take over that Mike Linebacker role. So I'd love to see him in an expanded role this season. I just hate the depth that they have right now because they have nobody that I trust behind their, their two, two starters, three, if you want to throw in Sherwood.
1: All right, I will say this. If Quan can't start on the Steelers team, it's time to hang it up. Do you know who their starting linebackers are?
0: Oh, well, because Jack's gone now. Um, yeah, I'm sure if I heard it, I'd be like, oh, of course. Who Give me who he got.
1: Oh, Holcomb and a Landon Roberts. Oh, they got a Landon Roberts? When Landon Roberts. Tanner Muse, former Raiders pick. Mm-hmm. Like a safety in college. I think he was a Clemson. He was like a bigger. He yeah, was Jackson a safety a
0: Third round pick. Never panned out.
1: Nick Quitkowski who was, like, prime, like, you ever see that meme of Kyle Shanahan looking at a guy in a microscope Yeah, and he's just going to destroy him? That that was Nick Kwiatkowski. Dude, they
0: need some speed. And, like, Landon Roberts, Nick Kwiatkowski, and Tanner Muse, that's, like, an early 2000s linebacker route. They need speed, man.
1: Yeah, if Quan can't start there, it might be time to – move to the next yeah, chapter I begin, that speed.
0: It, would, it would be funny if they if the Jets signed Miles Jack because the Jets and Steelers would basically just swap linebackers at that stage although I do think that the Steelers would be getting the better player I think that Quan was better than Miles Jack was last year
1: definitely oh I didn't even notice this Brayden Mann is on the Steelers right now huh. oh yeah is he uh did they have they have another punter on the roster oh, guess they're Presley Harvin I compete. Compete. Okay. So yeah so that's what has happened to Brayden Mann
0: this is the story of the one
1: as we go on to our next topic, uh, Justin, I want to I want do a little thought experiment here. I want to kind of go back in time. Okay. So, did you go to either like your junior prom or your senior prom? I did. I actually
0: went to four proms in high school, believe it or not.
1: Oh, geez. You were really getting around there. Well, hold on now.
0: Hold on a second. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I did. Yes. Yes is the answer.
1: All right. All right. I went to my junior and senior prom. Wonderful time. If either of you are listening, other people, I'm not going to say your names, but lovely time. Hope you guys are doing well. Shout, but, out, shout uh, out Mike's
0: exes or not exes.
1: Nah, they were they're not. It was just people I went to prom with, and they're very nice people. So, <laughs> so, But you probably had some nerves maybe a little bit about, you know, oh, I wonder if I'm going to go with this person. I wonder how this is going to look. Like you probably had some stuff like sure, that. Yeah. And that's pretty normal for, you know, 17, 18 year old kid, right? Cause that's a big moment I where you're going with this, because imagine if four years later, somebody said, Hey, we're going to make you a key component of a Super Bowl team on the field. Okay. That's probably a pretty huge leap in responsibility, probably physically, mentally and everything. So when I'm seeing all this consternation and toing and froing over the jets training camp, back. ice. Okay. And I'm looking at why isn't Will McDonald doing, why is Joe Titman basically taking a red shirt? Like, I think that they don't realize, too, these guys are kids. They're 22 years old. You guys, we have some older listeners. We have a lot of, like, 30s, 40s. You guys remember when you were 21, 22? Would you be ready to help the New York Jets win a championship right now? Physically, mentally, emotionally, anything? It's hard. Sauce sauce Gardner did it. Sauce Gardner did it oh yeah let's just, the jets should draft Sauce Gardner with every single Dude, pick that's what they should do it's very easy like i don't know why I'm not a gm is that's a very easy strategy everybody can do so like when you look at the, what the jets are doing right here all the fans that i think are really upset i think it's a product of old thinking because the jets have been horrendous dog shit for pretty much 11 years and because of that the default if there's ever like a 50-50 spot where someone's competing for a starting like a starting role, it's always well, let's play the young guy because that way we can see what he's got, kind of thing. Like that mindset is dead. It is dead as a dinosaur. There's Aaron Rodgers here. He needs vets who know the offense and he knows guys that he, he needs guys that he can count on. I don't even like Ramakod that much. That's why he's here because Aaron Rodgers clearly places a premium on that stuff. Being a center in the NFL, I know that there's guys like Creed Humphrey or like a Travis Frederick that came in right away and did it. That's incredibly hard. You're the quarterback of the offensive line. You're making all sorts of calls, and you're going to learn on the fly while Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. That's going to be hell. You can't have too many guys kind of doing on-the-job training. We're trying to win a Super Bowl here, so I get that some people. Are, why isn't Will McDonald taking a ton of first-team stuff? Why is Joe Tittman basically going to red-shirt? And they're letting Connor McGovern and Wes Schweitzer battle out. It's probably going to be McGovern who ends up being the starting center. Like. Fans just got to realize, too, they're not in the development play the kids era anymore. We need specific veterans who can do specific things very well. This is not just open mic, let's see what everybody's got. I get that you want to see the young guys. I get that it looks bad if Joe Douglas has another draft where he performs poorly, especially looking about how bad 2020 and 2021 were in totality. But, guys, you got to slow your roll here. Expecting kids this young to come right in, and be Aaron Rodgers level playmakers at their positions. That's just not realistic.
0: I'm still getting over your transition to the segment, uh, but e-
1: excellent work as yeah. always. Uh, I, hey man, that's uh, man, you got to spice it up, man. <laughs> I, I, you had
0: me on the edge of my seat. I didn't know where you're going with it, but this this makes sense. That's called storytelling. That was <laughs> no, good. No, that uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, Jets fans have kind of quickly, and, you know, I think myself included at times. You know, you can you can get a little too, you know. I, I think the whole thing with Joe Tittman is people, when the Jets mostly draft yeah, the Jets is, yeah. drafted Joe Tittman, the expectation was by many fans, at least was that, oh, he's a plug and play starting center, right? That was the expectation. The Jets did bring back Connor McGovern before the draft, but he was given a dirt cheap contract. The expectation was that, oh, Tittman is going to start week one. Now Tittman isn't even competing for the starting center job. So I think that is what fans are, are most upset about. And I get that to an extent. I do. I'm a Conor McGovern fan, and I know that there's not a lot of those out there. There's not a lot of Jets fans who are, are fans of Conor McGovern. I don't think he's the best center.
1: I, I like the guy, even though I keep calling him Conor McGregor on the show. I like Conor McGovern. I don't,
0: think, I don't think he's the best center in the world, but I think he's the best Conor McGovern in the league, and there's two of them, so that's saying something. Uh, but I, I think that he's a, a quality starting center. I think he's about a league average starting center. Uh, I was very surprised that the Jets were able to get him back for as, as cheap as they did. I don't know if he had better offers elsewhere or if he would have had better offers elsewhere or if he just wanted to return to Jets. I don't know what it was, but I was very surprised they're paying him under $2 million a year this season, which is crazy. Uh, It does seem very likely that he is still your week one starter. I am surprised that he is competing with Wes Schweitzer for the backup center job and not Joe Tippman. I'm really interested to see what Tippman can do in the Hall of Fame game because I'm sure he's going to get a ton of action there, which is going to be great. But from what it sounds like, it's not even that Tippman is performing Poorly in practice. It's not like he's playing bad, although he did have a couple of bad snaps I saw, uh, but that's hardly a death sentence, you know, especially for a young center who primarily played in a run heavy offense uh, in Wisconsin and didn't snap out of the shotgun a lot. So he's still getting used to that. Um, so it's hardly a death sentence for him. But I, I think it's more so the Jets just don't really want a rookie center with Aaron Rodgers. That's what it sounds like. They don't really, whether it was John Michael Schmitz, whether it was Joe Titman, they didn't want a rookie center with.
1: They could flip Schmitz and Titman on both teams and the same conversation would be I'm happening with, in the same way. John Michael
0: Schmitz has much less competition in with the Giants, right? Uh, he was drafted, of course, like what, 14 picks later. Uh, and it does seem very likely that he will be their week one starter, but also It's a very different situation with the Giants. He doesn't have the same competition. The Jets did bring back Conor McGovern, who is a good center. I think he's a fine player. He had a rough first year with the Jets, and I think that's why a lot of fans kind of got down on him. But since then, he's been all right. He's not been bad. Schweitzer, I don't want want him starting in any capacity. He's a Dan Feeney. I, I think he should fill that Dan Feeney role, be your top backup interior lineman. That's fine. I don't want him starting, and I don't think he's going to start. And I think the, the the Jets really tipped their hand because McGovern is not playing in the Hall of Fame game, whereas uh, Schweitzer is, uh, because Robert Sala specifically said that offensive li- there's a few offensive linemen that are competing for starting jobs that are going to be playing in the game, uh, but they're sitting out Elijah Barrett-Tucker, they're sitting out Laken Tomlinson, and they're sitting out Conor McGovern. So that certainly seems to indicate that McGovern will be your week one starting center. Um, I, I think my bigger issue with the Tipman-McDonald thing just come back, really, to the first pick, to that, to that Will McDonald selection. And obviously, look, I'm going to die on this hill until even until Will McDonald proves me wrong and I look like a moron. But I will die on the hill that I would have preferred Jackson Smith and Jigba with that number 15 overall pick could be very wrong. It's August. Will McDonald could be the best pass rusher in NFL history. I could be, I could look like an idiot. My logic behind it is I just think Jackson Smith and Jigba would have made a greater impact than the Jets over the next couple of years. Uh, And I think that's the window you really have for a Super Bowl with this team where you're trying to compete with Aaron Rodgers. He's here for two years, maybe more. You hope it's more. You hope it's three. You hope it's four. But I think realistically, we're looking at he's going to be here for the next two years, right? So Will McDonald, is probably not going to be a prominent player on either of those next two teams. He's definitely not going to be a prominent player this year, barring injury. And I don't think he's going to have a starting role next year because John Franklin Myers is coming back unless they pay a lot of money to get out of that contract. Jermaine Johnson's coming back. We don't know about Carl Lawson. We don't know about Bryce Huff, but those two guys are going to be back. So Will McDonald probably isn't going to be a starter next year either. And if that's the case... I think it's a weird use of your first pick and your first two picks to draft players who are not going to play this year. In a year, you're, you're trying to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, there's a fine line to walk when you're an NFL team, when you're an NFL general manager. You're trying to not only supplant you know, or, or build your current roster, but you're trying to build a roster for the future. You're trying to do both. I think the Jets leaned a little bit, little bit too much towards development when they probably should have been – you know, leaning the other way, um, given that they have a pretty short Super Bowl window. That said, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm an idiot. Joe Titman could start 20 years for the chance. I have no idea. Will McDonald could be the next uh, Jason Taylor. He could be the next John uh, Abraham. These are weird names I'm pulling. I don't know why I'm specifically pulling those names, but he could be great. He <laughs> could be amazing. He could be the next White Freeney. I don't know. Um, but I just, as it stands right now, I do think it was a weird draft approach and i think that is what the tipman you know tipman working exclusively with the third team offense it kind of highlights that for me and it kind of just reinforces the opinion i already had about that
1: before before i break this remote that i have in my hand for my air conditioning before i do it there is no such thing as a win now draft it is an oxymoron. I agree. It is a, you can get players. There is no, they could have gone all in and done what? Took another 21-year-old kid? Use your, use your noodles. No, I baby. agree. It's not, it's not about not even, even if they take, even if they take, not you specifically, this is like yeah. the, the cacophony of, of Jets' Twitter voices I'm seeing, I'm seeing parrot this, this take. Even if they took Jackson Smith and Jigba, or I remember right after the draft, he's like, oh, yeah, I would have liked Dalton Kincaid. I thought he was nuts. But let's just say they get one of those two guys. Like, this would still be happening. The Jets probably don't want to play a lot of their rookies, especially because Aaron Rodgers, like, you really got to earn respect from him. Not like he's like a mafia boss or something like that, but, like, as a receiver, he's not going to throw to you unless he knows that you know the routes and you can be here at this time. We saw that even last year in Green Bay. Like, Christian Watson came on at the end of the year. Look how long it took for him to get kind of a regular role. Took a while for Devontae Adams to really break out took a while for some of the like aaron jones's rookie year was not as what he is now like it takes a little mm-hmm. bit with aaron Rodgers. like you gotta prove yourself to him this is just it's the problem is because it's so different from how the jets have operated which i guess some people are seeing is like oh that's a bad thing it's like we we're, we're trying to win a super bowl here people what do you want to do oh like maybe do, are you gonna go to games and say oh i hope that you know, Joe Titman is really developing. I, I hope that Israel Abanakanda is really going to get some second-team reps, and maybe next year he could be a good backup. Like you, Priorities, all out of whack. All out of whack. Draft picks right now, they're for the future. They're for them to prove themselves. And you know, this is the time for them to prove themselves. What, what were they expecting? Will McDonald's going to come out and be Bruce Smith and get a sack on every other play? Joe Titman's going to look like a Hall of Fame lineman. Like, Slow down for a second. It's not. It's not some grand sweeping indictment. The, the, I, I think that's the problem. I think they think that they were forced into doing this because I think Joe Tipman is like bad, and that was a bad Joe Douglas. Mm-hmm. But like this, this was always going to be the plan. It doesn't matter who they picked. They were picking long-term developmental plays. Maybe they took too many for some people's liking. This is what they're doing. You could disagree with it, but if you can't just understand the concept of why they're doing it, that's a problem.
0: Yeah, I, believe me, I fully understand why the Jets did what they did. Also, they just love those players as prospects. They absolutely fell in love with Will a prospect, so much so that they're like, if he has to play a part-time role the first two years of his career, that's fine. They love him as a prospect. They believe in his talent enough that they think it's going to be worth it in the end. I'm not saying that they're wrong, because I don't know if they're wrong, because it's August. It's, they've not played a game in the NFL. I'd be an idiot to sit here and say, this was a bad pick. This was a mistake of a pick because we don't know. We have absolutely no idea. So, as much as I st- as I'm saying this is not how I would have gone about it, and I'm questioning their draft strategy, I'm not saying it's a bad strategy or the wrong strategy. I don't want to be I don't want to be grouped in. Not necessarily to you, just other people. So, I don't want to be grouped in with the people on Twitter saying, "Oh, Joe Tittman's a bust," because like the the shout out Joe and Clark or whatever his name is on Twitter that I've seen getting kind of roasted the last day or two uh, for for saying that the Jets should have drafted John Michael Schmitz and then not even knowing his name or where he went to college. I, i'm not that guy right i'm not that guy all i'm saying is that i'm questioning their approach and i think they could have done things that would help them succeed in this small super bowl window more than they did but also i would have just signed deandre hopkins like i would have also just done that i would have signed deandre hopkins cut Corey davis and then not draft the jackson for the jacob because i don't think you need to at that point but that's just me i'm not running an nfl team i'm sitting here talking to a microphone sitting in my room right that's 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 all I'm doing right now. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying that that's I think it's a questionable approach. But hopefully I'm wrong. I obviously hope I'm wrong. I want the Jets to succeed. I want Will McDonald and Joe Tippman to be all pros for for the next ten plus years. Uh, and so I, I definitely hope that's the case. Uh, we 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 got a little off track because we're talking position battles. I think we were supposed to be. Uh, well, no, Tippman's a position it battle. I'd call you're right. A- it is, and Joe Tippman running with yeah. the third string. It does seem like as an update, as a final update for that. That I believe Conor McGovern will likely be your week one starting center. I hope that Joe Tittman is at least your backup. Like I hope if McGovern gets hurt in the regular season, they're not playing Schweitzer. If they're not like at that stage, you know, Tittman might just end up being a healthy scratch every week.
1: Um Schweitzer is Spencer long 2.0, man. I could see that it. it comes from Washington too. Oh, true. I really I think he's just Dan Feeney. That's what I think he's a good
0: backup interior lineman, which good is so, is so um uh what's the word? Relative. Nebulas? relative i'd say okay. because like uh, sure that too but like it's relative because he's not a, like a good offensive lineman but in terms of backup out offensive lineman there aren't many good ones so i think he's an above average to to very good backup offensive lineman i don't want him starting i don't want him at center i don't want him at guard if he's starting because of injury that's fine but he should not be starting but i think that's what's going on with center uh let's let's talk about a different position let's talk a little bit about wide receiver uh specifically wide receiver six, because. It's It's been almost 40 minutes of us doing the show, and we have not mentioned the name Jason Brownlee, and I feel like that's a crime, and I feel like we deserve to give this man the the shine that he deserves, because Jason Brownlee yes. is killing it in training camp right now, uh, and I'd say running away with that sixth wide receiver job, of course, there's no guarantee the Jets do carry six wide receivers, but if they do, Brownlee definitely seems like the odds-on favorite.
1: That, I, I'm looking back at Jason Brownlee's Southern Missville, I'm like, how did everybody miss this guy? Yeah. And then I'm looking back at, like, not only did he have quarterback instability that hurt his numbers, but do you know who threw, I believe, the second-most touchdowns on Southern Miss last year? Threw the second-most touch, I have no idea. (laughs) Frank Gore Jr., the running back, who would play – what they did a lot of wildcat because of their quarterback instability. Wow. So if you look at Brownlee, he's a guy who, number one, he got better every single season he was there. Last – finished his year with 900 yards, just a little under 900 yards, 891 And uh, eight touchdowns, 16.2 per catch. So he's a vertical field stretcher. And 6'3", bigger guy. The the thing I was impressed with Brownlee, too, and it's shown early on in camp right now, sticky fingers, man. That dude catches anything thrown near him. Good hustle guy. I think he'll be a good special teams guy early on, which, I mean, he's not going to be the number two receiver as an undrafted rookie, so he's got to be good on special teams. Clearly the star of of camp right now. I thought Trey Dean was really going to emerge. but. The talk of training camp right now has been Tony Adams number one, because Tony Adams might actually start over Adrian Amos and freaking Jason Brownlee. Like, even if the Jets didn't plan on carrying six receivers, I think he's performed well enough where you have to carry six receivers now. Now, ideally, Randall Cobb could be one of the guys, maybe like, I just don't know what Randall Cobb is going to necessarily provide. He's not a special teams guy and he's going to be the wide receiver five at best, but that's Aaron Rodgers Binky. He needs him fine you make that when you, you make those sacrifices when you get Aaron Rodgers Brownlee has been tearing it up man do I like man do I like what he's bringing to the table man like every year there's a every team be it by luck or whatever has an undrafted free agent that just kind of pops This is it this year for the Jets. Watch out for this guy. And that's the thing. Like,
0: I I don't want to get too attached to training camp darlings because every year it's pretty much always a wide receiver. Every year there's a wide receiver that Jets fans, and really this happens for every team, latches onto as like, oh, this is the underdog success story that we're going to root for. And most of the time they don't make the team or they don't do anything in the NFL. I really think it's going to be different with Jason Brownlee. The Jets have gone on record and saying that they wanted to draft Jason Brownlee. It just didn't work out. That's the reason they gave him as much guaranteed money as they did. He was given the fourth most guaranteed money of any undrafted free agent this year. So the Jets already had high expectations for him when they signed him. And when we're talking that like high end undrafted guys, they're getting more guaranteed money. I'm pretty sure than like seventh
1: rounders. Um, I think he
0: might've got more than Koontz. Yeah, he probably did. Because those guys are getting paid a lot, like those those high, like top priority undrafted free agents, they're getting paid right now. Uh, And Brownlee was one of those guys. And I think when the Jets signed him they believed that he had a really strong chance of making the roster. So the fact that he's gone out and shown out the way he has, you know, it's not just the highlight reel catches that we're seeing. Of course, he had that one that went viral a couple of days ago, which was unbelievable. Uh, it's not just that. He's just making plays. Like, he's been a consistent presence throughout training camp. So I know guys like Xavier Gibson have, have made some plays, Jerome Cap as well. But it's it's really Brownlee's job to lose. And I think, I think he's going to kick someone else off the roster at a different position because I'm not sure they plan to carry six wide receivers. And at this stage, I don't know how they don't
1: it's I don't know look look, shout out Hattiesburg Mississippi because also if you look at the program they produce a good amount of uh, a good amount of offensive players out of there and it just looks like Jason Brownlee uh, that that Brownlee's the next guy Uh, I also want to do highlight the safety position too because Tony Adams is really really balling out I still don't think he ends up starting over Adrian Amos I think that that might be I think that might be too big of a bridge to cross I know that the Jets want to play the best guys and all that but I feel like they're going to give Amos every opportunity to show that he can't be the starter before they turn it over to Tony Adams, which might be fair because we have probably six, seven years of tape saying Adrian Amos can play safety at a high level in this league. Mm -hmm. But I think he's on a very short leash, much shorter than LaMarcus Joyner got last year because they just didn't have the, the talent to replace him. Now I think Adams has emerged as a guy who can play in the NFL. I think if he has like one or two bad games in a row, I think right to the bench for Adrian Amos and then in comes Tony Adams. We'll
0: see. Honestly, if I was predicting right now, I think Tony Adams your week one starting free safety. If, they, if I were to predict right now, I think he is. It's not even because of the unofficial depth chart. I don't read into that. He's just been getting the work with the first-team defense in, in training camp. They have not given Adrian Amos reps with the first-team defense at this point, or at least to my knowledge. I haven't I haven't seen anything saying that he has been getting reps with the first-team. Uh, and obviously part of that is, hey, we just signed this guy, right? And Adams was here last year. He knows the system. But I, I do believe the Jets are extremely high on Tony Adams. They were so high on him that that's the reason they cut Jason Pinnock last year, because they wanted to keep – Adams, and they didn't—they well, didn't want to risk Adams going through waivers. And look, as much as I got on the Jets' case at the time, and I probably still will about them cutting Jason Pinock, because I think he's a good player, and he's—I think—in line to start for the Giants this year, or at least play a prominent role. Uh, it's clear why they did it because they were really high on Tony Adams, and I think in the limited action we saw from him last year, he was pretty good. Uh, he was definitely a significant upgrade over Lamarcus Joyner late in the season, and from everything we've seen so far in camp, he's been good too. I think the Jets really found a gem here. I'm not sure he's ever going to be an Ed Reed, but I think he's a starting caliber player is what they're hoping he can develop into and maybe even be this year. So I would not be surprised at all if week one Tony Adams is starting.
1: As we move on to our final topic, I believe Justin has a uh, fun little word from us, from our friends over at DraftKings. I do,
0: yes, from our friends at DraftKings. Hey, Jets fans, you guys signed up for DraftKings yet? If you're a new user, you can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly have to follow just these three steps, create an account, deposit, and then wager $5 on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive the $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code FSBETS that's on the screen if you're watching us. If you're listening, that's FSBETS when you sign up. The best part is using our code FSBETS not only gets you the bonus, it also supports the podcast that helps us out. So if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code FSBETS, that's FSBETS, to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of
1: our offer. And with that fantastic ad read, we That's will great. head to our final topic, which is the Hall of Fame game happening tomorrow. Which fun little note for you guys: we will be going live before the game at seven PM Eastern. So uh, set your calendars. That will also be back at Wednesday at the same time next week. But we got a little one-off, fun little stream for you before this game. They are playing the Cleveland Browns, a team that. It's again. It's going to be hard to really gauge preseason because we don't know who's playing. We don't know what they're really going to show. Every team pretty much runs a couple eight or ten vanilla plays. So they don't want to give away offensive or defensive secrets on preseason film. So everything's going to be very basic. We get all that, but there's still reasons to be tuning in outside of the you know Rivas and Klecko festivities going on. All outside that, and uh, this may just sound like the trite answer or the boring answer, but. If you're saying I can only watch one thing in this game, I mean, it's got to be Zach Wilson. Just because the talent was never the question with Zach Wilson. Like, think about what you want. Even nowadays, like, the arm is still there. Like, no one doubts that he throws hard and has arm talent. That was never the issue. It was always between the ears. Not only just the mental side of football, being able to process things, having good footwork, having good pocket presence. Even outside of that, it always just seemed like once one thing happened, like if he got hit, or if he made a bad throw, or if he got intercepted or dropped in, like he'd always get thrown off his rhythm. And he was always just climbing uphill every single game, trying to overcome that. So I want to see, even in this very tamped down setting, I want to see comfort from Zach Wilson. I want to see Nathaniel Hackett run, even if it's just a couple easy plays, get him in rhythm, maybe one little deep shot to just try out the arm, like. That's what I need to see. If I see more skittishness and I see more 5 of 10 for 24 yards with a dropped interception, I'm going to feel really disheartened and honestly a little nervous because while I'm out on Zach Wilson as a franchise quarterback or even a starting quarterback in this league, I just think that emotionally and mentally he's almost too damaged because, I mean, we saw that last year. I mean, all he had to do was be very basic to win games and he couldn't really do that at the end. If he can't play well in this game, I have my concerns about a backup quarterback for a 40 year old. And, you know, you, God forbid one, one weird turn of one guy's legs. And then all of a sudden Zach Wilson's back in and I'm, and then it's just the same old conversations we had last year, just with Hack instead of LaFleur.
0: I, I like the use of the word comfort there. I feel like this entire preseason is just going to be about building confidence for Zach Wilson, at least as far as Zach Wilson is returned, uh, is, is concerned. He was, as you said, mentally broken at the end of last year, last year took its toll on his, on his, his, Uh, mental state his confidence and he was just his confidence was shot by the end of the season I would really like to see him kind of you know because he's had I'd say an inconsistent but overall positive training camp he said all the right things in the offseason he seems to be making strides obviously he's learning under Aaron Rodgers which that can't hurt so I'd like to see Zach Wilson just come out there and and do the easy stuff make it look easy Play confident, just just complete the screen passes, complete the easy passes. He doesn't have to do anything crazy. I don't I don't need to see 60 yard bombs to Jason Brownlee, although that'd be pretty cool. Uh, That would be awesome. awesome. I would love that. But I'd much rather just see him look confident and poised in the pocket. He is going to be playing at the back of offensive line. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, But I just I, I want to see him look all right and look confident in himself out there.
1: Don't worry about the line because supposedly if Joe Tittman is apparently you know, Jim Otto over there, apparently that you know everybody's just going to be crumbled into dust because he's this 300-pound Hercules like Kratos. He just destroys people. I, apparently that's what Jets fans thought Joe Tittman could be. So. I really
0: am interested to see Titman in this game, but I, I'm going to go with a different offensive lineman that I'm paying attention to. It's Makai Becton. I, I think uh, if it's not Zach Wilson, Becton is by far the most interesting player for me in this game. He hasn't played since that week one opener in 2021. That's the last time he's played an organized game of football. Uh, and so I'm just really excited to see him back out there. He will be starting at left tackle. And Robert Salas said he will be on a pitch count. He's probably going to play around 20 to 25 snaps is what Sala said. That should be enough time for us to gauge where he's at with that knee. Uh, obviously, hope he can stay healthy, and I just want to see if he if he holds his own out there because right now, like. I, I'm not confident by any means that Mekhi Becton's going to be on the week one roster. I don't know if the Jets would cut him, but I think there's a decent scenario where they try and trade him because it doesn't sound like he's in the mix at right tackle. He hasn't taken a snap at right tackle in any team drills. I believe this summer, it's been strictly Max Mitchell and Billy Turner. And so if Dwayne Brown is healthy, which all, exp- all indications are that he will be ready for week one. That's what Robert Salah said. Uh, and probably even before then I imagine he'll return to practice. So if Dwayne Brown is healthy. You got Max Mitchell and Billy Turner. One of them is starting at right tackle. The other is your swing tackle. Because even though they prefer Mitchell at right tackle, he has been taking some snaps at left tackle. I think he's been better at right tackle. But regardless, both of them are making a team. One of them's your starter. One of them's your swing. And you also have Carter Warren, who's not going anywhere. The just, Jets just drafted him in the fourth round. So does it make a ton of sense to carry a backup left tackle, who is your fifth offensive tackle on the roster? I mean, presumably, he'd be your top backup left tackle. But I don't know if it makes sense to carry five offensive tackles if one of them can only play one one side of the offensive line, and that guy's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. So I think it's totally feasible that the Jets try and trade Mekhi Becton. I obviously would love to see him just come out there and win the starting right tackle job. Like That would, that would be ideal. But either way, I want to see whether it's for trade value, whether it's for hopefully him reviling his, his career with the Jets. I just want to see how he looks. I, re- I really want to see that, and I want to see him look healthy, and I want to see him look confident just like Zach Wilson and just – Hopefully, he holds his own out there and plays well. That's, that's somebody I'm keeping an eye on. You
1: ever hear the phrase, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane? Yeah. You know, like that might apply to Makai then a little bit. I Not can. through because he's, you know, weak or timid or anything like that, but there's really no substitute for live reps in the NFL. Just the physicality, like the, the feeling of the contact, like you can't replicate that in pre- no matter how hard you try. So we're literally going to see a guy who for almost basically for three years has had one game of like that level of live speed and a couple preseason games. Like, what do you do? Like, that's really all we've seen of him playing at either the highest gear or a high gear. Like, is he even still the same player that he was at Louisville or doing his rookie year with the Jets? Like, because you go watch that old film and he was nasty. Yeah, He had a mean streak to him. Like, physically, does he feel limited? Because if you feel physically limited. I don't know if you could have that same sort of demeanor about you. If he does, fantastic. That's what I'll be watching for, too. Like, honestly, let's see some chippiness. Even get get a little aggressive in there. It's the preseason. You're not going to, you know, win or lose any sort of awards in there. Like, if I just see aggression and physicality, like, that's how I know. I think physically, that will be a good sign to know that he's up to it, that the knee's up to it. If he's, like, passive and, uh, 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 and we see a lot of hesitations. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's, it's that scene in Talladega Nights when Ricky Bobby comes back racing and everybody's going fast and then he's going like 25 miles an hour. And he's like, why is everybody going so fast? That's, that's what I'm envisioning the nightmare scenario being for Makai Becton. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I,
0: I just, I really, I want to see him look confident in that leg. I don't want to see him look timid out there like you said. I know, yeah, I want to see him look aggressive. I want to see the Makai Becton that we saw in his rookie season because that player was damn good. Like people forget, and I bring this up a lot. There was, you know, the, the ESPN preseason polls that they do where they ask 50 league executives, coaches, players, whatever, to rank the best players in every position. Going into that 2021 season, Mekhi Becton was ranked as the sixth best offensive tackle in football on that list. Right. People will. It's very easy to forget that. It's very, very easy to forget that. And obviously so much has happened since then. But that just shows the talent he had and how highly he was received around the league. He looked like a future star offensive tackle in the NFL. So I just I want to see shades of that player, whether it's with the Jets, whether it's with another team. I want to see him succeed because the dude's been through a lot. And I I just I want to see him come out there and I want to see him dominate.
1: And with that, I think we'll call time on this episode of the Jet Press Podcast. Check in tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll go live before the Hall of Fame game, do a little bit of a preview, maybe share some memories of Darrell Rivas and Joe Klecko as they finally get enshrined among the immortals of the game. I'm not going to attempt to do a John Facenda voice, but <laughs> you know what? You get, you get the sentiment. So with that, thanks for joining us here on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever you may be. If you're driving home listening to the podcast, Thanks for supporting the show. Justin, take us home. Absolutely. Yeah, be
0: sure. Like Mike said, we will be back 7 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Hall of Fame preview, whatever, basically an extended segment of what we just did right now, just talking about some of the stuff to watch. But anyway, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. We're on TikTok. Make sure you follow us over there. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and we'll be back tomorrow at 7 p.m. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys tomorrow.
1: See you folks tomorrow.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.